Hey, 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 Talking Shizzle listeners. You know, it's always been important for me to align our business with other companies and individuals who share our values, especially those who share a deep commitment to serving nonprofits and social impact. So for that reason, I'm super excited to announce our very first season two sponsor, Kila. Kila is a fundraising and donor management CRM that is built specifically for nonprofits by nonprofit professionals. These folks really get it. Their mission is to empower nonprofits to deepen relationships, retain donors, and raise more for their cause. Several of our clients and partners use Kila and have continued to be impressed by just how easy Kila is to use, how affordable it is, and most importantly, the results they see using the platform. The Kila team is also phenomenal to work with. They are super friendly guys, and they have a continuous commitment to equity and inclusion. Now, go check them out. We got a special offer for you. As season two sponsor of the Talking Shizzle podcast, Kila is offering our listeners and community 40% off their first year subscription to Kila. 40%, you guys. That is a lot of shizzle. Think about all the other shizzle you can get done by saving that money on your nonprofit CRM. Plus, if you have under 250 records, you can get access to the Kila Starter Program for free. So if you are interested in learning more and booking a demo, go to keela.co slash partners slash creative dash shizzle. That is K-E-E-L-A dot C-O forward slash partners forward slash creative dash shizzle. Hey, hey, all you lovely people out there. You've got a lot going on in your day with big dreams and big goals for your world. Are you ready to talk some shizzle and learn some shizzle from leading entrepreneurs, changemakers, coaches, and overall interesting people who like to shake things up? I'm your host, Taylor Shanklin, CEO and founder of Creative Shizzle, and I am stoked to bring you a fresh episode of Talking Shizzle today. This show is all about helping you think differently so that you can grow. Talking Shizzle is brought to you by our team at Creative Shizzle, where we help businesses, entrepreneurs, and social good innovators make amazing marketing shizzle happen. Check us out on the web at creativeshizzle.com. Now, let's talk some shizzle. We are here with a new episode of Talking Shizzle with the one and only, the fantastic defier of gravity. Are you ready for it, folks? Are you ready for it, Will Bill? Oh, I'm ready. David Breyer. David Breyer, 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 Breyer. That's right. The breather of fire, Breyer. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. What's up, my friend? Well, 23 is off to a, a remarkable start, and I'm warning anybody that I any have any face-to-face in-person meetings with to wear fire-retardant clothing, so that way they're actually protected. And it's good because then it also eliminates the need for like ever having to carry around like a nasal trimmer, nasal hair trimmer, because it's like that fire-breathing thing. You automatically, automatically are perfectly groomed. You should have seen me when I woke up this morning. I look like freaking Grizzly Adams. But now, I mean, just a... <laughs> 
a little bit of a little bit of espresso and just just breathing some fire, bang, perfectly groomed. You look perfectly groomed. I, I never knew. I was never going to guess it was a whole fire breathing thing, but now we're enlightened. I know. I know. It's like it's it's kind of like one of those look but don't touch kind of things. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, you're lucky. You're lucky you have that. Well, David Breyer, we're going to back it up. You're the author of Brand Intervention, a book that changed my life when I was earlier on in my branding. Like, I guess I would call it my pivot from digital marketing into really like honing in on branding is my favorite thing. And I took your course, the Brand Intervention Masterclass. We've become friends. Luckily, like I've never had any sort of like fire experiences with you in person, you know, so I think that's why we're still friends. It could be. But if we ever do manage to actually meet face to face and and never go out to eat, I tend to like spicy food. When I have my espressos, I make sure that they're a double or triple espresso. And I like food, a little bit of like non-toxic shizzle. Well, I'll put it that way. Your tagline could be bring the fire. Bring the fire, we'll bring the marshmallows. <laughs> That's really good uh, to know. You and I are going to definitely need to actually have dinner in person sometime. We're going to have, this is what we're going to have. We're going to get some Thai food. We're going to tell them, make it Thai spicy. They're going to say, are you sure? When you go to a Thai restaurant, you got to go like in the range of like three or four. You don't go, sure. I once did, once. I was like, I'll make it spicy, like do eight. <laughs> I think by the time that I was done eating all my eyebrow hairs had fallen out of, off my off my brow. Well, then I don't think you're quite as intense as I am because I'm like, yeah, give me a five and then bring me a glass of coconut milk to like wash it down with. See, if you said give me a five, I'd go, I'd go, I'd go like that. There's your five. Now dial it back to three. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is we're going to do some Thai spicy like level five stuff and then we're going to have espresso affogato for dessert. And then nobody's going to want to be around us for like a week. You're probably right about that. All right. Well, let's talk about your entrepreneur journey first. Can we get into this? We're going to talk about entrepreneur lessons learned. We're going to talk about what you do to defy gravity as a brand um, interventionist. Is that a word? Interventionist? You just made it up. I like it. Could be interventionizzle. That sounds like something would have ended up on the editing floor of Seinfeld. So I don't know if we want to go there. Could have been. But give us a quick rundown on who you are as an entrepreneur and a bit about your journey to where you are today. Cool. Well, everything I learned about entrepreneurship, I learned after I graduated from college. I think it's one of the flaws of the school system. They teach and focus, here's what you need to learn, You know, whether it's being an accountant or being an MBA or being a this or being a that. They teach you that that's the most only thing you need to know, and or whether it's being a dentist or whether it's being a designer or whether it's being a whatever. And then you go out and you kind of peddle that, promote that, pitch that. It's interesting because you ask any entrepreneur who's done well and they will tell you, do you have the ability to listen? Do you know when to shut up? Do you know it's better, more productive to ask questions than thinking that you got to spew out all the answers and only talk about yourself? So, I mean, it's a point of like maturity. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I didn't like the agencies, because I started my career in New York, in Manhattan, and I'm a New York kid, born in Brooklyn. The basic thing is, is that I didn't, I didn't like the agency culture and the design firms felt a little, you know, everyone was like really fashionable or suit and tie. And it was just a little bit, so like, these are two worlds that I was like, 
So these are kind of funny. There was one particular designer who was brilliant and actually easily impacted two generations of designers, art directors, and agencies. He was the only person I actually wanted to work for. I did interview with him and people told me he doesn't talk much. As big as a as his work was when you saw it, it like was impossible to ignore. But socially, he was quiet. And so they said, if when looking at your portfolio, he pauses on a page, that's like practically a standing ovation. That's your recognition. So just be paying attention. And I got one of those. I was like, I got a really nice one of those. I was like, okay, we might have something here. And I almost got the gig. Almost only because he was ready to actually have me say, well, we'll start you in production and then you'll like work your way up. So basically you're, you're kind of like are going into an, an apprenticeship kind of model, almost like learning from these incredible designers. And I think Louise Feely, who you probably know as a designer, Louise Feely, I believe might have been there at that time. I know Tony Despina. There were quite a few people from a certain generation that evolved into being brilliant designers, typographers, letterers, things like that. Well, unfortunately, his health declined shortly after that. He was quite a few years older than myself. So unfortunately, it didn't happen. But that was like my gold standard. And so I started to do things and do things and do things. And I wasn't content just being a designer. Being a designer, it was kind of like, you know, because I was working at the time with art directors. So I would do stuff for Revlon's art directors. And I would do stuff for Estee Lauder's art directors. And I would do stuff for the art director of Money Magazine or or Rolling Stone magazine, or New York Times magazine. And it was still handing off that piece. But holistically, I didn't know if I could, what was going to be the full outcome. I'm giving them the piece. So to me, it's kind of like, just because like you could show up and be Eddie Van Halen, but if you had a shit band, you know, that couldn't, was not on key, <laughs> and nobody, they weren't playing to the same beat. And it was like, wait a second. I thought we were going to do reggae. No, no, we're doing polka. <laughs> so no matter how good your, your game might be, you couldn't control the outcome. And so that's where I started to, I kept expanding, expanding into marketing and then, and then branding and then really the whole piece and really getting to appreciate language, the power of language, power of storytelling, how it all worked in terms of design, communication, and not only in the form of helping my clients, but in the form of also how do I talk to clients? so that I negotiate a better deal, so that I actually navigate a better outcome for everyone. So that's basically, in a sort of larger nutshell, a fairly large pistachio nut, the answer to your question. You could throw that pistachio in onto your avogado. It'll be like a little helmet. It'll look very fashionable. Yeah. And then a little bow tie made out of, uh, I don't know, made out of uh, chocolate-covered espresso beans. Yeah. God, I love this. I love where we're going with this meal. (laughs) That'll be the meal of the century. (laughs) For those of you listening who aren't familiar with the affogato, and I might not be saying it correctly, it is espresso poured over ice cream, oftentimes like a vanilla, vanilla gelato. Yeah. More often a gelato. But when, if you want to, if you want to take it over the top, like you get like a couple of scoops of pistachio gelato. Pistachio gelato is great because it has a certain little grit to the texture and it's really and really delicious. And then you pour over and you pour over so you have a little moat of caffeinated bliss. Okay, so that's a bit about how you started. Now you you run a branding agency. You help entrepreneurs learn how to get out of their own way. 
your website is rising above the noise. How do you help people get above the noise? Like, tell us what you mean by that. Well, there's too much confusion for many companies on these particular points. Almost, if you go to any company or any CEO today and you were to say, what are you struggling with? There's going to, usually going to be two things or what do you, or what do you want to, what do you want to handle? Or what do you want to, you know, what's your, where are you guys headed? What's your objective? As far as challenges, there's going to normally be two, two answers. One is, is, is going to have to do with employees in terms of the right talent and this, that, the other, that, that, cause that is one thing. It's like, can we get the right team culture, blah, 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 blah. And that's one. But the other one that always comes up is more sales, more customers, more loyalty, right? So actually we have repeat customers because you don't want to always like just be having first timers. So. I call those the finish lines. A sale is the end point after two other things have occurred. And every sale is preceded by these two prior things from the stone age to present time. Basic thing is, is prior to every sale, you have some marketing that has happened. But the interesting thing is that not everybody really understands what marketing is and the job of marketing. They throw marketing and sales and branding all into like one bucket. So it's a kind of like all you can eat buffet of like, what's our rating as far as language here? Oh, you go all out, dude. Okay. So uh, basically, a, a what the fuck can you eat? What the fuck can you, do I eat? All, all you I mean, eat? most of our guests are like really nice and PC, but you're not. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. yeah well, that, that's because, you're other, because your other guests are a bunch of like wussies. I mean, it's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> that's not true. Be nice, David. <laughs> I say that with warmth in my heart and gloves in my pockets. Now, the thing is, is, but, well, look. Everybody has to has to at least uh, every now and again just like let their hair down and just say a curse word or two, just to make a point. Just to make a point, not not to be irresponsible, but just to make a point. But the point is, is with this stuff, marketing's job is to execute and get the stuff out there. Marketing's job is not to actually create the brand. It is, its job is not to define. The brand, its job is not to differentiate how are we unlike everyone else. So the thing that happens there is we go, all right, so if we now understand, so that's three different pieces, but everyone's always looking at the end. How do we get more sales? How do we drive more revenue? How do we get more customers? I mean, that's where the, that's what I call like, they're obsessed with the finish line. Well, there are two other key prior prerequisites that are necessary for, for each one of those sales to occur. And for it not to only just be a one-time sale, because the sale is only a transaction, but actually for it to become a recurring, sustainable relationship with someone that you're serving. So what happens is, that's what I do, is I help clients get that clarity. The taking the masterclass, that's one thing, I'm, as you know, I mean, you're learning all the, you're armed with a tool chest of just all these tools. And then, of course, there's the actual roadmap. When I'm working with clients directly, I'm actually helping them. I'm doing all of that with them, for them, et cetera. And then eventually we'll hand it off to say, okay, good. Now you take care of the marketing part. And sometimes there will be a window of time, three months, six months, or nine months or more, where it's a handholding thing to make sure that they're not getting done with it or they're getting sloppy with it or they're going, well, it doesn't matter that even though this color wasn't it wasn't part of the branding thing. We're hearing that hot magenta is trending, and so we're going to incorporate that. And then this is for uh, this is for the for the cremation society. I don't know that that's going to particularly work. Okay, <laughs> but it's the color of the year. 
It is. The, we were just lucky that the color of the year was already in our logo. Like we were just trending before trending happened this year. That wasn't luck. It's because it was in your logo that it became the color of the year. Oh, right. You're right. It was all us. You're welcome. You're welcome, world. Okay, let's expand upon this. And let's even maybe do it with an analogy of our fine dinner that we're talking about here, David. Okay, so you've got, I agree with you 100%. And I say that stuff all the time. Everyone's like, the number, revenue. And then they don't actually think about how there's all these different pieces and cogs in the machine that work together to get there. But there's sales, there's marketing, there's branding. Let's define each of those a little bit more. Marketing is like, it gets it out there. But difference between branding and then marketing and then sales. Totally. Well, put it this way. Let me let me structure it in this way. Branding, as you know, branding is a four-word definition. It is the art of differentiation. Okay. That means that people will be able to tell our product or service from others that are out there. That means that we won't just be echoing what people have heard a lot. That means that we won't just be regurgitating our version of, well, you sound just like blah. I can't really tell the difference. You know, that's problematic. So that's fundamental. It's got to be handled. So with that being done, now marketing knows the lane that it's in to be able to provide those and they can choose the, the right demographics with regard to that. And the other thing that's interesting, you do that well with branding. It actually impacts. I've seen it happen time and time again. It impacts the culture. Well, I have seen companies internally sag where they haven't been strong or in the worst case scenario, I'll give you a perfect example. There's one client many years ago, the CEO was a sales guy. And he was like a sales guy. All he knew was hammering out deals, getting signatures and contracts. That was all he knew. So the interesting thing is that mentality that he had, and they were very much a sales organization. I spoke to 10 of their different salespeople. You would swear that I was talking to at least seven different companies based on how, tell me about this company. They had their version. You know why there was such differing views? Because their version of what the company was was based on their pitch that actually worked to close deals, which meant they got their commission without clear guidance of knowing how or how they were different in any way. So people out there, as a result, had tons of different viewpoints as to what the company was about, what their strong suit was, where they were at a value, et cetera. It was probably the most dysfunctional company that I'd ever seen in that regard. So if you get the branding right, it's not only going to impact how you're clearly seen in the world, but it also it gets everyone on the same page. And I've literally seen sagging companies, companies that have been doing business for 20 or 30 or 40 years, all of a sudden come to life going, whoa, that's cool. All of a sudden they've been introduced to like, it's kind of like you've had a really, a really, really, really shitty hairstylist for like 15 years. And then someone comes along and says, I'm going to give this just a little spin. And they don't, and, and then you, they turn you around and you look in the mirror and you're like, Holy shit, I've never looked like that in my life. Holy mackerel. And now you all of a sudden you realize how bad it was only because now you're going, you can see how good it can get. Well, that's what happens with a brand. All of a sudden everyone's like, all the entire employee body, the team all turns around and they look in their collective verdict and they go, damn, we look good. We're freaking badass. You know, that's essentially what happens. Yeah, I love it. 
Okay, so we're going to take this and talk about it in this in the meal. Okay, I'm I'm going to break this down in the meal context. Tell me if you think this makes sense. Okay, so in the context of David Breyer and Taylor Shanklin sitting down for Thai spicy food and avocados, you walk into the restaurant. We walk into the restaurant, David. We immediately get either turned on or turned off by the restaurant, and we determine if we want to stay. We decide to stay in this restaurant. It's got a good vibe. It smells good. It looks good. It kind of feels good. We get seated at our table. The waiter or waitress comes over. They talk to us about their specials. Well, this is the you know noodle dish that we have that you're going to want to try. They sell us. They bring out the food. The food adheres to the experience that we first got when we walked into the restaurant, right? We taste it. Oh, it tastes good. It tastes like it smelled. It tastes like how I felt when I first walked in. They bring us the avocado. It's got that little pistachio on it, just like you'd like it, David. And we were like, ooh, it like wraps it all up in a bow. That's bringing that brand experience back around. And then the waitress is friendly. They determine across the whole experience, if we want to come back to the restaurant, because it's not just about the food tasting good and marketing, executing on the dish, turning out well and adhering to the brand, but they help seal in the deal for getting us back. Right. And that's like how sales, I think, fits into all of it throughout marketing and branding. What do you think? Does that make sense? It does because, well, there's one little layer I would add, which is why did we choose that Thai restaurant? Well, because we'd already looked at seven others and this was the one that was like, it sounded different. They rose above the noise. So that initial point, bang. Okay. So that branding got us in the door. And then the rest was like really confirming our hunch, right? Boom. And then just like, and building, yup. And then yup on top of yup on top of yup on top of yup. And then you have a pile of yup. And if you're going to have anything on your table besides your food, you want a good heaping pile of yup. With pistachios of yup on top and espresso and take it up to a level five. So granted, for anybody that's that understands, they might go, wait a second. How the hell do you go from like freaking... Thai food to like an Italian dessert because affogato is Italian. There's a window there. It's not like right at, you know, after your, your, your taste buds are kind of like all fired up and kind of tingly and all kinds of stuff that now you're going to jump into the land of gelato and espresso. So there's going to be a little, a little window, you know, and maybe there's, maybe there's a, maybe there's some plum wine that follows the, you know, the, the Thai food to kind of, you know, get the palate kind of like getting a little neutralized, getting a little chill. So it's now ready to like basically take that flight from Thailand to uh, the Sopranos. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, the reason why I chose those two food choices together is because you're the slayer of mundane. And we both kind of can do that where we say, and again, this comes back to branding. Brandon is about differentiation. So like, who says you got to have a Thai restaurant that has only Thai style desserts? But I have to ask, have you ever had the legendary, and it's only legendary if you've had it, the legendary sticky rice and, and mango? Oh, yeah, that is good. That is good. I, I, I am down for that, for sure. That's pretty divine. That's pretty divine. 
All right, let's talk about how to get people out of their own way. You got to give them that haircut, right? But a lot of times, like, they don't want the haircut. But And we deal with this all the time. Oh, no, no, my brand's good. We just got to sell. And you got to really walk people back and say, you need to stand out. But people are scared to stand out. How do you get people over that fear? Well, I call their bluff. See, I, here are the things that I look at. If everything was great and they were okay, we wouldn't be sitting in this room. It's the first thing. Second thing, I also have to look because occasionally, fortunately it's a small percentage, but occasionally the person sitting on the other side of the table knows better than anybody. That person's pretty much impossible to help. Those people will be terrible leaders. They will be terrible teammates. Almost nobody working with them will, will actually ever be happy. I know where the door is. I can let myself out. All right. I mean, that's just the reality. That was probably the, one of the toughest lessons for you to know. No matter how much I know that I can help the other person, if the other person doesn't equally have an idea of that, I can also help them to that same degree or, or close. If we're not on the same page there, then it's always my word versus their word. And you said versus they said, Again, that's not a foundation for, it It must be a collaboration. So it's a matter of what questions do you have? What, da, 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 da. And, and, it, and it's our job as professionals to provide advice, to provide insight, to provide clarity, to provide guidance. Everyone says, hey, I want you because I, we, we, want, we, we want to hire you because you will help us progress. And da, 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 da. you'll help us, you'll move us from here to there. Say, good. Yeah, I will provide you the guidance to do that. Either I'm going to be putting all the pieces in, in place for you, with you, or I'm going to be teaching you how to do it. Da, 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 da. Either way. But the bottom line is, is you must realize that I am going to be steering you. I'm going to be providing you the guidance. If you don't execute, you do have a mirror, right? And they're like, yeah, good. You can look in the mirror and, and see who's actually failed to hold up their end of the bargain. Because the bottom line is, this is collaborative. I can only do so much, but... I've had clients, and I'm sure as you have, that they're looking for somehow it all to be done externally, and they they take no ounce of responsibility. They will not succeed. Or if they do succeed, it's going to be very, just a little bit, small percentage of what they actually could be achieving if they did their part. So it is a, it is a collaborative thing. So I, I very much have these very factual, candid conversations. And if they're like saying, well, everything's great, everything's great. I said, well, then why are we, why are we sitting here? If everything is great, what's the purpose of this meeting? I, I don't ask it in a, in, a, in a contentious way, but I ask, let's be candid. I mean, your time's valuable. My time is valuable. Why are we sitting here? Is there an outcome that I'm unclear on? And they go, oh, like, well, what we thought maybe sort of kind of da, 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 da. Okay. And it's my job to ascertain, are they interested in actually getting authentic help or are they just sort of, I don't know, doing some other little weird thing? In which case I say, look, it doesn't sound like you're actually really going to benefit from what I provide. I can put it on myself. I don't think it's going to benefit what, with what I do and what you're saying you want. I don't see that I can actually provide you benefit. So thank you for the, thank you for this. Where's the nearest place that makes great affogato? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's espresso time. Yeah. <laughs> I need something to lift me up after this conversation. 
Yeah. Oh, don't I? Don't we know? Don't we know? You know, I'll, I'll ask you to share a, a favorite, you know, moment that you've had when someone who you thought maybe you couldn't get turned around. We had a moment with that recently with a client that was like, no, 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 our logo's great. I was like, uh-huh. So we did something new anyways and put it in front of them. Oh, gosh. It's like that haircut. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for doing this when we said we thought we were good. Have, like, What's a moment like that that you've had? It's actually a project. I, I, I can't go into specific details just yet because it's not live yet. But it's actually a project that I'm doing for a particular a client. In the industry that they're in, it was very, very interesting because it's a, it's a husband and wife, both high performers, big, big, big goals. And I could see more on, on one of, one of their, one of them was a little more alpha than the other. Alpha to the point that if you didn't know how to handle the person, I could see that they, they, they would run right over you. I didn't have that concern because I've dealt with, with people like that. And so, and so what ended up happening was they were on a very, very, very tight timeline, very tight. So I turned on the, the, the turbo thrusters hardcore and in like, 10 days, presented them their story, their brand story. Did the, did the, all the research, all the, I mean, and that's fast. I mean, it, usually, usually that's like a, you know, few weeks, but I was like, all right, they don't have time. It's like, boom. And I, and I showed them the story and they were like, whoa, how did you get that out of what we said? Right. And all this time I'm getting, I'm getting this conversation of every, like practically every call. Where's our logo? Where's the logo? What's the status of the logo? I'm like, we need to get the story done first. <laughs> then we look at the competition and then, and then we'll say, this is where you need to land. So anyway, probably so like nine, 10 days, bang. It's like hit the brand story out of the ballpark. And then I said, good, we're just going to do a little few, few little tweaks and stuff like that. So behind the scenes, and I didn't tell them. I'm, I've already been working on a logo. And so like about another four days goes by. And then I, and then I say, by the way, I, I have some, I have something I, I need to, I need to show you. I said, Here's the thing I want to actually go over. And I've turned it. I, I don't have a just one way that I present a brand where a brand identity needs to land and go. Sometimes I'll do a little animation sequence. Sometimes I'll tell a little story before it. Sometimes I'll just do a competitive thing. I'll say, here's where your stuff, depending on who they are, I'll present it so that it enables them to make an informed look. You know, sometimes if they're really myopic, I'll show them all the competition so that they go, Oh, and I literally just did that two months ago with an international global client of ours overseas. And they were like, wow, you would think a global brand would have all of this information of what the competitive landscape was like. And it wasn't not the case. Very interesting. Anyway, so going back to this, this couple then say, by the way, here's, here's the thing. And so I now show and I do the little thing and I walk them through and I walk them through and I'm watching them on the zoom call. I'm watching and they're like, kind of like they're engaged and I'm, walk in the next thing. It was like maybe about nine or 10 slides. And the last one kind of animated it from where I was going to the brand. And I said, and then there's this. And then I clicked and then it did its little animation thing, which is so cool. And all I get is, oh my God, I'm teary-eyed. Those are the moments you live for. We remember that when we have all those other moments, you know? Well, David, what's one thing that you want to leave people with today? What do you want them to know about you? What to take into 2023? Any any kind of final 
final words before we go eat? I would say, and I would hope that, that, that your listeners take this to heart, ordinary is not an achievement. Just getting by is not an achievement. It's not a milestone. It's not a legacy. It's not something that lights you up. And if it doesn't light you up, then it doesn't light anybody else up either. I think I firmly believe that we each have the capability of being able to light others up, inspire others by how we perform, by how we care, by how we lean in. I think that those are very, very important and noteworthy things. And I think that when, when you're living life every moment to moment to moment to moment, and this is the takeaway, we have two choices. Is this going to be ordinary and more of the same? Or is this going to be extraordinary and something different? That is the thing. And that goes from the littlest things, such as walking into a store and saying hello to somebody and making them feel admired, appreciated, valued, to someone who delivers something to you, to answering your phone, to every bit of work that you do. There's no detail that's too small. We live in a world where so many details are overlooked. Everyone's looking for the quick. Let's do stuff quick. Let's use AI to to accomplish X, Y, Z. And no one's going, what did we forfeit by doing it that way? Did that make it less extraordinary? And to me, if someone just every day literally went, okay, what am I going to take that's or that's ordinary? I mean, I mean, I would freaking do that. I I would do that every night. And I would tell you, you do that every night for 30 days. You write out, okay, what, what am I doing tomorrow? Which of these things and how many of them are, am I going to move them from ordinary to extraordinary? And I don't care if it's one, at least one. You go, you know what? I think it happens in the morning with my spouse or that thing that happens at the end of the day or the, how the way I answer emails. You know, any, anybody that deals with me, they know it's like whether you look at my email and you look at the little fine print that's absolutely just, it always makes people smile to the way I answer the phone, to the way I talk to people, to the fact that when I show up in a conversation, I don't show up with a hangover. I don't show up not bringing my all. So that's the thing. I would say you do everyone do a 30 day freaking exercise of turning the ordinary into extraordinary, at least one new thing each day and see if your life doesn't freaking change over those 30 days. I like that. We're going to use this as a way for listeners to help launch their 30 day extraordinary challenge. If you're down with that, let's give them a way to do that. After listening to this show, you are challenged people. You're challenged by the one and only David Breyer and T Shank and Wilbill. Together, we will be on your asses about being extraordinary. Oh, it's it's great. And here's the here's the one the one little if it becomes a demand of mine or or a suggestion of mine or Taylor or Will, make sure during those 30 days it eventually needs to become your own, that you are internally demanding it of yourself. Not because of another, not because of out there, because the extent that it's out there is to the extent that it will not, it will be diluted. It's fine if it starts there, if that's where it starts. For some, it will be there. And for some others, it will be like, wow, that's a great idea. I can, I can get behind that. I can own that. And I'm, I, I will now 
the impulse will be driven by me and my and my own discipline. Great. But if that's not where you start, monitor that because after a week or 10 days, it needs to start moving over to that discipline of you and you owning it. And that will elevate it to an even higher level. All right. We'll close us out with a dad joke that relates back to this weird restaurant scenario we came up with. Go. I have a friend who grows a lot of herbs and he donates them to shelters, but I told him he should start running his own business. And uh, one of the top herbs he grows is cilantro. And I told him he could call it the cilantropist. <laughs> the cilantropist. The cilantropist. I like Cilantro pure. That's like a joke I heard the other day, which was something like, like uh, someone said, someone asked somebody and they said, well, well, oh, no, they asked, they asked somebody, are you a pacifist? He goes, well, if you ask me the wrong question, I'll pass a fist right across your face. <laughs> <laughs> There you I go. Like a bing, bada boom, and we're out. <laughs> all right, David, how can people find you online, get in touch, buy your book, all those good things? Absolutely. Well, the bottom line is, is definitely go, go to risingabovethenoise.com and you will see, and that's rising, R-I-S-I-N-G, risingabovethenoise.com. You can grab this. You can find out more. There's well over 300 articles, case studies that I've, that I've shared and given insight into that are there. So that's definitely the place. That's kind of like the hub, but you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter. I've been really getting a lot into Twitter. I'm finding Twitter to be very interesting. It's very, very interesting with, uh, with it's kind of like been resuscitated over the last period of time. And there's a lot, there's actually a very interesting kind of like what was happening with LinkedIn probably maybe seven years ago. It's been, it was like, it was like when LinkedIn was going from being like this job place, this networking place to kind of becoming a social platform. And I would, I see that's now happening now that the, the vested interests of, of like Twitter was really being very manipulated as a channel of communication. Now it's actually the, the playing field is flat. It's a lot of very interesting, strong personalities good personalities from an entrepreneurial standpoint, very, very, very fascinating. So uh, that you'll, you'll be finding that I'm doing quite a bit there as well, but rising above the noise.com. And if the masterclass sounds like something that you or your team needs, we've actually been putting teams through, through the program. That's been insanely cool. Yeah. I'm a graduate of the class and uh, can attest to how, um, how helpful David is on a person by person basis in the class. Like he shows up for everyone. He will call you out. He will call you in. He is there for you. So it's not just a class where you join and you're like, Oh, I never got time with David. Oh no. Like if you show up five minutes late, David is calling you on your cell phone being like, where are you? What's up? Saturday morning. Time to get in class. I know. I know. My kid's throwing up right now. I'll be right there. That was usually I was like, stop giving the kid affogato first thing in the morning. <laughs> no. no, it's because I fed them the Thai spicy noodles for breakfast. I was like, I don't know. I got to go to my class. Just eat leftovers, you know? Not, not, nothing like breakfast. a little bit of like kid barf with Thai, thai food, Thai spicy food. That's just, the visual alone is priceless. It's Put it on Twitter. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. We have been today with a legend in branding. Seriously, like this dude is someone I so look up to. He is one of the 
premier branders of our time. And I hope you've gotten some good stuff out of this. And we'll see you next time on another episode where we're going to talk some different kind of shizzle. We'll see what it is when we get there and we land. Well, hey there. That was fun. I love how much mind-blowing and mind-opening shizzle our guests bring to us with every episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss a beat of the Talking Shizzle podcast. And if you're listening on Apple, be sure to let us know what you thought and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners so that we can bring you all the good, juicy business growth shizzle that you would like to hear about. Get in touch with us and follow along at creativeshizzle.com or email us at podcast at creativeshizzle.com. Until next time, keep making your shizzle happen. Mm-hmm.